0: Sean, feels feels strange not to be saying turn to the book of Philippians. We're taking a one-week break from Philippians. I'll admit that this is my first time I've ever preached an elder installation ceremony. It's certainly the first time I've ever preached my own elder installation ceremony. And so it's a little bit difficult to figure out what do you even preach in this situation. It's interesting how the Spirit leads because the same passage that Jeremy read from is the passage that we're going to be looking at here in just a minute in 1 Peter chapter 5. My hope this morning is that while most of what I'm directing is directed towards elders, my prayer is that for everyone in the congregation, there would be things that would apply to your life as well. Because a lot of the things that we'll be talking about, I think, have implications for you. And at the very least, at the very least, I hope that tonight when you go home, you are encouraged to pray for us as elders. Because the tasks that we've been given and the task that we see in 1 Peter 5 is a huge and glorious responsibility. And we need your prayers so at the very least, if nothing else, I pray that as we look at this passage, you are encouraged to pray for us. And so to that end, I think there's really no more fitting way to start other than just to pray and pray that God would bless our time this morning. Father, we are incredibly grateful for your mercy. We're incredibly grateful for the men that you have given to New Hope Fellowship over the years. And we are praying that for Tim and Alex and myself, as, as we are being installed today as elders, we are praying that we would continue that legacy. We thank you for Che and his faithful service over the years, the ways that he has served this church, the ways that he has blessed this church, and we are praying that we would be able to continue his legacy as well. But ultimately, we want this to be about you, and we want your son Jesus Christ to be magnified. And so as we are talking about this passage, while we are talking about elders, we recognize that ultimately all praise and all glory and all honor goes to the chief Shepherd. And so today, our goal is not to make much of elders, but rather to acknowledge that there is a chief shepherd who is over all of us, and his name is Jesus Christ, and we want to make much of him. So God, even in this elder installation service, I'm praying that you would be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I remember when I was getting married, and the week leading up to, or the weeks leading up to the marriage, I would often get asked the question, are you nervous about the wedding? And I know that on multiple occasions, I've asked people that same question as well. Are you nervous as you're getting married? And on the surface, if you think of it, it's kind of an odd question. There's really not a lot to do in the wedding ceremony for the bride and groom. All you have to do is repeat after someone and then slip a ring on their finger and give them a smooch, right? Like that's pretty much all there is to it. It's pretty hard to mess it up. Unless you just fall over in the middle of the ceremony, you can probably be successful in a wedding ceremony, right? But I don't think it's the mechanics of a wedding ceremony that make it nerve wracking. Again, you could teach a five-year-old to do those things, right? A five-year-old could repeat after the minister. A five-year-old could slip a ring on and give a smooch, although hopefully not that romantic of a smooch. But you could teach a five-year-old to do all of those things, right? It's not the mechanics of the wedding ceremony that make it a situation where you might feel nervous. It's the seriousness. It's the seriousness of the ceremony. right? Because you recognize that before God, although of course it's a joyous occasion, it's also a serious one because before God and before your family and before the church, you are acknowledging that you are covenanting together with the person that you are marrying, that until death do you part, you will be married. That is serious business. Now, today, in many ways, is nothing like a wedding, right? There's no flowers. Thankfully, none of us came dressed in a white dress. I think we can all be grateful that none of us showed up that way. And I would gather, or I would venture to say, that the expense that we spent on this ceremony is far less than a normal wedding. In fact, I feel entirely confident of that because I think we spent nothing on this ceremony. Right? So in many ways, this is not like a wedding at all. And yet, I would say the seriousness which characterizes a wedding should characterize today. Because what we are doing today, installing elders, is serious business. For us who are being installed, it's particularly serious, The New Testament would seem to suggest that for those who are elders, there will be a more strict judgment. That is serious business. New Testament would say the elders have the responsibility to shepherd the flock of God. That is serious. For the congregation, this is serious as well. For the rest of you who are not being installed as elders today, this is still serious, Because today is the day where you acknowledge these are the people that we have selected to lead us. These are the people that you have given responsibility to shepherd your souls. Could anything be more serious than that? And so in light of all of that, in light of the seriousness of the occasion, I just want to take the opportunity to give you an address from 1 Peter 5. And when I say you, I'm meaning primarily Tim and Alex and myself, Shay as well, but again, I think that this will have implications for all of us. So First Peter chapter five, before we read the passage, let me just give you a little bit of a backdrop here, because we're kind of dropping in in the middle of First Peter. Much of First Peter is directed to this idea that Christians are experiencing suffering, and they are being persecuted, and there are trials because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so in chapter four, which is the context, obviously, right before First Peter five, he says, "Don't be surprised if you face trials. Don't be surprised. He encourages them to persevere in their faith and to keep pressing on, to suffer well for the sake of Christ. At one point, he even challenges them by reminding them that they will face the judgment of God and it will begin with the household of God. And so it's in that context that he addresses the elders. Now, some of this was addressed in the videos and some of this Che already addressed, but when he addresses elders here, he's not talking about older people in the church. In this particular case, he's talking about an office of the church. There are two offices in the church, elder and deacon. As Chay mentioned, there are multiple words in the New Testament that are used to describe this office elder, shepherd, overseer, bishop. All of them mean the same thing. There are two offices, and he is addressing here the office of elder. It's a little uncertain. What is the transition between chapter 4 and chapter 5? Perhaps the reason why he turns his attention to elders is because he just mentioned the judgment of God. Perhaps he's echoing Ezekiel 9. In Ezekiel chapter 9, it says the judgment of God in the temple will begin with the elders. And so maybe he's reminding the elders, listen, you need to be serious about your jobs because you will be judged. Or perhaps he's addressing the elders because during times of persecution and difficulty, leadership seems to matter even more. But whatever the case is, he addresses elders, and this is what he says. Let's hear again, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So Peter has one big exhortation for the elders. And that exhortation is to shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight. In reference to this passage, Martin Luther once said that the way elders shepherd the flock is by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And certainly that is a word for us who are being installed as elders in Furché today. Our job, as the years progress, is to unashamedly and boldly and courageously and unapologetically remind people that hope is found in Jesus Christ alone. If you just happen to walk in today off the street, or if this is your first time in a long time, I want you to know that what we are about here is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are sinners, but Christ is a great Savior. And our job in shepherding the flock is to constantly remind you of this truth, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners. Over and over and over again, we must continually come back to this idea that Jesus died on the cross. And that is our motivation for living. So if we are going to shepherd the flock, we must preach the gospel. But how we go about doing that will matter. And that's really the focus of verses 1 through 4. How as elders do we go about shepherding the flock? So again, let me say this. I know that not everyone is an elder. And so you might think, well, I should just check out here because he's just talking to Tim and Alex, right, and himself, right? But I would encourage you, which, by the way, it's really weird to be preaching a message to yourself. I think that's strange. But that's good. We should preach the gospel to ourselves all the time. Anyway, if, even if you're not an elder, I do think that there are implications for you today. For example, when we talk about leading by serving and not domineering, that is an implication that should be true not just in the lives of elders, but in the lives of everyone. All right, so I'm addressing Tim and Alex and myself, but there are implications for every person in this room. That said, there are three things, three ways in which he says that elders should shepherd the flock. First, they should shepherd willingly and not under compulsion. In each case, he gives the positive and then the negative. Look at verse 2. So he says it positively and then negatively. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. The role of an elder is not just meant to be a role of duty, but it is meant to be a role of joy. We are to shepherd not just willingly, or not just under compulsion, but willingly. In fact, we're not to shepherd under compulsion, but we are to willingly shepherd the flock. Now, don't misunderstand. There will be times when being an elder, Tim and Alex, myself, there will be times when being an elder will be really difficult. There will be long hours. And there will be complicated, messy problems to deal with. And there will be criticisms that will come our way. And we will never be able to please everyone. And there will be times when we will feel personally betrayed. And some of it will be because of our own foolishness. And some of it will be because of the fact that we are just, all of us, sinful people. And painful things will happen. There may even come a time, and this is maybe perhaps why he's addressing elders in 1 Peter 5, when persecution comes on the church and elders are the ones who are persecuted first. And so by signing up to be an elder, by being installed, you are essentially putting an X on your back. If the culture continues to turn against Christianity, it's likely that elders will first face the brunt of persecution. That is the cost of ministering in a fallen world. And there will be times where you will question, is it worth it? And there will be times where you'll think, maybe someone else should have done this. But let me remind you, That for every difficulty that comes your way, there will be untold joy as well. Sure, there will be difficult things. But that moment when a sinner for the first time, someone who's been separated from God, understands for the first time that Jesus Christ died on the cross for sins, and they turn and they find life in Jesus Christ, that will make all of it worth it. When a marriage that seems to be hopeless is restored by the power of the Spirit, the spirit works and the gospel works in their lives, and a marriage that seemed broken is suddenly restored and flourishing, that will make it worth it. When families that seem to be growing apart are suddenly united by the glorious truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that will make ministry worth it. When men and women are growing in maturity in Christ, when they're growing in Christ's likeness, when they're striving side by side together for the faith of the gospel, that will make it worth it. When we see genuine community in this church, when people are confessing sin and extending forgiveness, loving one another, encouraging one another, exhorting one another, correcting one another when necessary, that will make it worth it. Listen, it's worth it. There will be times when being an elder feels like a duty, but let us never forget the joy that comes with shepherding the flock of God. Let us never forget that there is no task more urgent than imploring dead people to find life in Jesus Christ. Let us never forget that there is no task more satisfying than helping people to find joy in Christ. Let us never forget that there is no task more important than being stewards of God's grace. So brothers, let us commit now that we will shepherd the flock of God willingly, not under compulsion. But let us also commit that we will shepherd the flock eagerly, not for shameful gain. Look at verse two. Again, chapter 5, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. It would seem to be contrary to the Christian faith that some would use the office of elder for shameful gain. And indeed, it is contrary to the Christian faith, and yet sadly we see this happening over and over. Whether it's the televangelist who is clearly deciding that he's going to use his ministry to make his own financial gain. Or for that matter, pastors jumping from one pastorate to the next, looking for a little bit more money, or a little bit more prestige. Or even people desiring the office of elder for the perceived power that may come with it. It's a sad reality that over the years, many have used the office of elder for their own shameful gain. Tim and Alex, Che, let us instead make it our goal to serve eagerly. Not because of anything we might get out of it, but rather because we love the flock of God. And let us never forget, this is God's flock. It's one of the clear implications in First Peter chapter 5. This is not our church. In fact, it's not anyone's church, it's his church. And by God's grace, we've been given the stewardship of shepherding the flock of God. What a joy, but what a responsibility. Let us tackle that task with eagerness. But let us also resolve to lead the flock by example, not by domineering. Look at verse 3. Verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. If you've been in the business world, you've probably at some point met the CEO who leads by domineering. Intimidation, put downs, aggression, it's all part of the package to get done what needs to be done. And if you're in business, maybe that's the way you operate too. Maybe you're convinced that that's the only way that works in the business world. I would contend that that's probably not true, but regardless of how you feel about business, that cannot and must not be the way that the flock of God, that the the church of God is led. It cannot be. Instead, those who want to be leaders must serve. Those who want to be leaders must live as an example fact, this is exactly what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10. I'll turn there for just a minute. Mark chapter 10. Verse 42. The church of God cannot be led in the same way that people lead in the world. There must be something different, and that's exactly what Jesus is getting at in Mark chapter 10. Verse 42, he says this, And Jesus called them to him and said to him, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Listen to this, verse 43, But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Clearly, Christ is our example of what leadership looks like. And even if you're not an elder, this has implications for you as you lead in whatever context you've been given leadership. We must serve if we want to follow the example of Christ. Jesus did not give PowerPoint lectures about what leadership looked like. Instead, he washed the feet of his disciples. Instead of commanding by intimidation, he led by serving. Serving even to the point of death, death on a cross. And if we want to be effective elders in leading the church, we must lead in the same way, by serving. By serving. We must serve and we must lead by example. Alex, Tim, Che, could you say to others, if you want to know what following Christ looks like, follow me. Could you say that? Because Paul said that on multiple occasions. In fact, later on in Philippians 3, he'll say exactly that. We'll get to that later in the book of Philippians. But he says, look to me as I follow the example of Christ. Could you say that? Could I say that? Not in a way that draws attention to ourself. That's never the goal. But rather in a way that draws attention to the grace of God that is at work amongst us. That we are living as examples. Because we are shepherding the flock. And one of the ways you lead is by serving and leading as an example. So let me give you an example of what this looks like. A couple of weeks ago after the service we were hanging out in the fellowship room and everyone had started to leave. Everyone at this point was pretty much long gone. My wife was praying with the elders wives and so it was just me and um, my four kids and Che was around. His daughter Julia was around. There were a few other people who were faithfully cleaning up the church and so um, and we're just we're just trying to buy time right and I'm down on the floor playing with my kids and I, I, I sense that there's a troublesome spot on the carpet, right? So um, I've been a parent long enough, and I've had four kids long enough to know when I see a troublesome spot. And by troublesome here, I mean smell a troublesome spot. And so I thought, that's that's not good, right? And um, so sure enough, I pick up Karis, and I'm not going to go into great detail here because I'm, I I said that this is a serious ceremony, right? Like, but I'll just say this, like, It defied the laws of physics. I don't know how it got out of the diaper. We've had plenty of leaky diapers over the years, but this one made no sense. Nevertheless, there was a spot on the outside of her diaper and there was a spot on the floor. So this is one of those moments as a parent that's your worst nightmare, right? Like even if you're at home by yourself and you just have one kid and this happens, you're like, you've got to be kidding. This is terrible, right? But here I am at the church. I've got four kids. There's no one else really around. I'm like, ah, what do I do? And so I I took Karis and uh, the spot was on the backside. So I kind of carry her like Superman, right? And as I'm going out the door, I'm like, hey, Julia, can you watch our other three kids? And I, I asked Che if he could go get some cleaning supplies. And so I go and I change the diaper and eventually I get that all sorted out and I come back into the room and shortly thereafter, Che comes in and Che has the cleaning supplies and I notice that he has gloves on. Che, what are you doing? And before I can stop him, before I I, I tried to protest as much as I could, Che is on the floor, on his hands and knees, cleaning up the spot that my daughter made. That is Christ-like leadership, right? That is serving like Christ serves. I knew before that moment that this was the right place for me, but that was the ultimate confirmation. If I get to serve with men like Che, you just don't find men like that anywhere. It's a man that I will serve alongside. It's a man that I will follow. I'll confess, I still don't know what Che does at IBM. I know he's important because they fly him all over the world seemingly every week. Right? I don't know what he does, and. The first time I heard all of his degrees, I suddenly didn't feel so proud of my economics degree from the University of Northern Iowa, all right? And no doubt he could use his intellect and his position at work or even the church to domineer, but instead he uses it to serve. And listen, I know that he's really uncomfortable that I'm even telling these stories. I didn't tell him what story I was going to tell. I did ask if I could use his name in the illustration, but I knew if I went into full detail, he wouldn't let me because that's the type of man that he is. And Tim and Alex, that's the type of men that we should aspire to be. Whatever comes our way, whether it's poo on the floor or conflict in relationships or criticism that's lobbed our ways, let us resolve that instead of domineering, we will lead by example. We will lead by serving. And here's why. Verse 4. Back to First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The reason why we serve, the reason why we shepherd willingly and not under compulsion, the reason why we shepherd eagerly and not for shameful gain is because we, reckon, or we want God to say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Listen, the task of elder is a humbling task. and It's one that will require all of our energy. At the same time, it will require us to depend on God more than we ever have. But it is worth it because we get to serve as shepherds under the chief shepherd. We get to shepherd the flock of God. We get to point people to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Is there any job that is better than that? We get to tell people about the only message that saves. We get to tell people and we get to remind people and we get to shepherd people to help them see that there is hope found in Jesus Christ. What a blessing and what a responsibility. Let us pray that God will give us strength to be up to the task. And let me encourage you as a congregation. Pray for us. Pray for us. We need your prayers. Listen, you have other roles to play. Jeremy touched on it in the Hebrews 13 passages about obeying and submitting to your authorities, and even this First Peter 5 touches on it. But one of the best ways that you can service is by praying for us. Pray that we would love Jesus Christ more than anything else. Pray that we would love our wives like Christ loves the church. Pray that we would shepherd our children as we shepherd the flock of God. Pray that we would be unif- unified as a team. Pray that we would have humility, recognizing that everything we have comes from him. Pray that we would be 1 Peter 5 elders. That we would shepherd the flock of God willingly, not under compulsion. That we would shepherd the flock of God eagerly, not for shameful gain. That we would lead the flock by example, not domineering. Pray that we would shepherd as ones who recognize that we are under the chief shepherd. Pray that we would be elders who in every circumstance make much of Jesus Christ. Pray for us. We need it. Let me pray. Father, we ask for your help. As elders, we want to be men who shepherd the flock willingly and not under compulsion, who shepherd the flock eagerly, not for shameful gain, who shepherd the flock by example, not domineering. God, we want to be men who love you more than anything else. God, we want to be men who serve as under shepherds, under the chief shepherd. And for every person in this congregation, we are praying that we would recognize that we serve under the chief shepherd. God, help us to love you. Help us to worship you even now as we sing this last worship song together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.